that run, I'm talking about that run down feeling, you know, you're out there, <laughs> or that run over. <laughs> but anyway, Pastor, just come, take your liberty. We're, we're thrilled that you're, y'all give him from River Church. A big God bless you. Welcome to Grace Life Church. Amen. Praise God. All right, y'all sit down. Praise God. What a privilege it is to be here. These are our dear friends, and you've got some keepers here. There's no reason why God should put a church like this in Jemison. There's no reason. No, there's not. Uh, this, this, uh, this caliber of ministry should be in a large city. Why is it in Jemison? Why, why are we in a small market in a small place? Well, the Lord loves you, and he's got a purpose for each one of you. And I'll tell you, uh, Miss Barbara, I uh, got this real strong. Uh, Arise, shine, for the light has come. The day of grief is over. The day of the past is over. Your future is bright, and the Lord is inclined to make a demonstration through you. He's taken you from where you were to where you are, but he said that's not proving anything. People recover, but he's taken you as a demonstration and as a witness because you've been faithful, you've been righteous, and that cannot be denied. A faithful man, a faithful woman will abound with blessings. So get ready for blessing. And just because you can't see it, I tell you, we sang here, what do we sing about the impossible? All things are possible. Now get that out of your head and get that down here and you'll change. You'll have a change. You'll have a move of God down here. The minute it moves from here, and we're, we, we sing that easy. Ah, that was easy to sing. Catchy tune and the words are on there. If you can read it all, you could get through that. But I'm telling you, all things are possible, and it's going to come through some streams you never dreamed of. Good word. That's a good word. Hallelujah. And I, I tell Scott and Tabitha, let me just get what I have out so I don't flub the dub later. Uh, well, it's a good couple. It's a good family. Uh, but uh, you have not tapped out what God has for you. You have not... You've been on the edge, you've been on the bank of it, you've been on the periphery. I'm telling you, in your job, God has a change coming. And uh, it's, you, you need time. You're already used to some liberties, to some latitude. Some, uh, you're not boxed in by anybody like people are. And I'm telling you, he's going to take that because you've been a steward over that. You've not been a squanderer of what he's given you. And he's going to take that and he's fixing to promote you in ways that you... You have not planned. You, I, I would guess, this would be me, that you thought it would go as it's going and it would go to the end and have, praise God, that's a blessing. But I'm telling you, he's going to intervene, he's going to intersect, he's going to interrupt what you're doing and he's going to, he's going to make a witness and a testimony like Barbara of you and Miss Tabitha. He's going to take the mind of Christ and put you in a realm that he's been years getting you ready to receive. And here's the word I got is in Malachi 3.10. He's going to open windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing. That word blessing is the word benediction. It's a spoken word. He's going to speak to you and it'll be beyond your intellect, beyond your mind. You will not be able to take it in uh, your head. But as you pray and you meditate, as you put this thing before God, he will begin to reveal it and open up and you will be amazed and it will be a good thing. You are a paymaster, Tamitha. Scott, you are paymasters, and it's the greatest ministry as far as I'm concerned because you handle somebody else's money. How many of y'all know it's easy to give out of somebody else's purse? 
<laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, you're going to do that for God. You're going to do that for God. It'll be the easiest thing you ever did. And we pray against that uh, 65 traffic every day. Hallelujah. Just open you up in HO lane. Praise God. Amen. Well, yay. I'm so glad to be here. This is, this is a sister church to our church. And uh, these are dear, dear to us. I have no one in this world. And if I wasn't on broadcast, I'd say, including my blood family, that I love more than these two. So I'd do anything. I'd lay down my life for them and uh, intend to do everything but that. <laughs> Amen. So what a blessing. Well, I have a word for you tonight. Amen. I've never struggled with getting it right like I have for this meeting. I can put, I can put together a message pretty quick and do pretty good, and, and they all say amen, but I've changed this thing three times. I've been up late and been down early trying to get this thing right. So I'm trusting the Lord to navigate for you. It, this is, I am just the water carrier. I am just the bucket boy, and I've got to bring what he's sending to you. Doesn't mean your pastor couldn't have brought it, but in relationships, sometimes the hardest people it is to win to the Lord is your family because they just all know all about you. And so it's hard to be a witness to them because they're tuned in. So he couldn't always bring a message like this, but I can. And so I will. Amen. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, I want to set up a... uh, I don't want to teach tonight. I want to bring, although I will, I want to bring a perspective. I want you to to, uh, have a different view. That's what I like to do is is, uh, why is what's happening happening? What is the big picture? Say big picture. picture. Ah, come on. Big picture. You know, you you struggle. Sometimes we get where we struggle. We are challenged every single day. And we just to get through it, we navigate, we maneuver, we strategize how to get through the day when, in fact, there's a whole bigger purpose and a reason for what we're going through. And uh, we got to plug that in or we'll lose it. Why are we doing what we're doing? Well, it just brings a paycheck or it brings a, it raises my family and everything. Well, that's good. That's the, that's the doing of the kingdom, but the kingdom is so much more. God, who, you know, he prepared the marriage supper of the lamb, uh, years and decades ago, uh, well, millennium ago, he's got this. Say it with me. He's got this. Come on. He's got this. Now, you're not surprising God. And he's not surprised by any of your failings and your maneuvers. Your, um, he, he, when I backslide, which just means I didn't do something as good today as I did yesterday, it's, it's not like you fell into the depths of sin. It's just like, I just didn't have a very good day today, and I should have. Well, in all that, God's got a plan. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is one of my favorite verses, I have several, but uh, in verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, we can look at things that are not seen. Did you know that's where God wants you to live? In the in between the lines. Sure, we can quote scripture. Sure, we can line up to it and say, you know, it, it says be a good boy, so I'm going to be a good boy. And said don't do bad things, so I can quit that. But that's not the whole thing. He wants us to look at more, more the things that are hidden while we look not. Now, what I want to point out is in that line of Scripture is the, in the very first line in my Bible, verse 18, it says, while we look not. The word there, look not, or look, is the word take aim. Say it with me. 
take aim. So it doesn't mean where we glance over and see something, or we even stare at it a little bit and say, what in the world is that? The, the word, the Greek says it's to take aim. So while we, ta- uh, what, what does it say? Um, while we take aim, not at the things which are seen. So if you were running a pistol or a bow or whatever, you're not going to hit much until you take aim. And that's the kingdom. It's all around us and we're aware and we know things are going on and we sense them and feel them. We go to church and there's new avenues of revelation and we see and hear and we go, wow, that's good. But that still doesn't mean we took aim. Only what you take aim at is working in your life. The casual observer is getting nothing. Point to yourself with me and say, hey, you. Don't be a casual observer. Take aim. Amen. So while we, we look not at the things we're seeing. So living, here's what I, where I want to go tonight. And I'm telling you, I've been all over the world for this message. You know, you go somewhere else and you want to shine bright. You don't want to get up there and do to do. So I, you know, and, and uh, especially among your friends, you, you can go to Arizona and go to a little town and just blew, blow it up and then drive home. <laughs> get out of town for take a road they didn't know you were going to take. But but here, you know, we're 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 in for the long haul here. So here's here's what I want to minister to you tonight is that living by principles, the kingdom of God, the keys of the kingdom, living by principles takes longer than reacting to your imagination and our human skills of strategy. Every day you get up and there's a new problem. There's a new, there's new opportunities. Every day you get up, you can, you can say, what am I going to do today? And there's more things to do than you and I can have time to do it. Y'all say amen when you get it. There's more going on. You're, unless you're a slug, and there's no slugs here, the slugs are all somewhere else tonight. So amen. We're all here tonight. And priorities is what measures a strong Christian. What do you choose out of that day of so much to do? Amen. You, you, you can get up and then get back in bed. You, that's one thing you can do, cover up, and, and when the sun goes down, you're still there. That's one thing you could do, but it's probably not what God's thinking. Yeah. Amen. So uh, life on the fly is like a vapor. We get through the day. The, Bible, the, word calls, uh, the world calls it cope or survive. You can get through the day and you can come out okay at the end, but only Jesus or the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is Jesus. If you don't love truth, you don't love the Lord Jesus because he is truth and he's only truth. And so we have to look for truth. We can do anything we want. We're Americans and we're free spirits and you, you can sleep in the bed all day. You can, you can finagle a program and get some support from somebody or family or live with your mother, all sorts of things that we can do. But we want to live by truth because we have a limited life. I've only got 60 or 70 more years on this earth. <laughs> well, or so. Uh, so. Remember in John chapter 10, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And the stranger they will refuse to follow. 
So the Bible says the Lord Jesus himself, who is truth, said that you hear his voice. Well, you know, a radio or a TV, for that matter, is getting all the channels all the time. It's just when you turn on the screen or turn on the speaker or whatever that you hear one channel or another and you get to choose that. So it's the same thing with Holy Ghost, same thing with the Lord Jesus speaking to us. He said, you hear me. So if we don't hear him, maybe we're not a sheep. Are you, are you a sheep tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah, we are. So we, by, by assent to that, by agreement with that, we have to say, I hear him. I know his voice. The stranger, he, spar- he speaks, he barks, he carries on. I paid him no attention. Real important. So uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Let's back that up. Now, I'm a, I'm a foundation guy. You know, if you, if you take away the second half of my message, you know, I, there's no point because I build and stack on and lay hold, and then all of a sudden we snap it off at the end. So if you get me in the middle, I don't have anything to snap off because I'm going to make a point. And it says in 1 John, you're there in chapter 5. Boy, do we like this verse. It says in chapter 5. Let's look in verse 14. And this is the confidence, the assurance, the surety that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, well, how hard is that? Here it is. This is his will. If, this, if it's in here, the Lord said, ask me. Now, be in faith about it. Don't be just getting your long list and say, well, I want this and that. But if you can get his will into your heart, he said uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Say it with me. He heareth me. Not the whole room. Who, who, who knows what your neighbor's doing? But you can say of myself, he hears me. If I put it out there according to his will, he's tuned in. He's attentive. I'm the only one. Well, there's billions of people, Chinese and Indians and Russians and Filipinos and all that, and there are. How can he hear little old me? That's what makes him God. That's what makes God God. He hears us all, but he hears each one of us, and he's attentive. He's paying attention. Don't judge God by how we are. <laughs> okay, and if we know that he hear us, say, I know it. If we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask. This is one of those paintbrush uh, scriptures that God just says, ah, I'll do it all. No matter what you say, whatever you do, I'm in. Well, Lord, what about this? You wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Come on. Uh, we've, made him, we've made the devil big and God little, and we're changing that. I said, we're going to turn that around because the devil is the little one. He's little. And God's big. He can tune in to every one of us at the same time all over the world and hear what we ask and affirm, I'm on that. Now, the Lord's always on it, but sometimes we don't believe he heard us because we want something in 24 hours. And so when we don't get 24-hour service, we think he didn't hear us. And we would be incorrect. Some stuff takes longer than that. Why? Even if you take medicine, they don't ever tell you. You'll be completely cured in the morning. Well, we know it says take for seven days, 14, you you know. Okay, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have. Say, I have. have. We know that I have. We have the petitions that we desire, the word there is require, that we require of him. 
So what have you required of the Lord lately, according to his will, that you've been willing to ask him and wait for the answer to manifest and come into your life? I would say, just guessing, we might have been a little light in that area. We're petitioning, Lord, I pray, and Lord, I ask, and Lord, I wish you would. But we got to stay on it. we got to be that hound dog that's on the trail and stay with it, not say, I'm tired of this. I'm going to quit hound dogging and just go off and chase a butterfly. No, we're staying on it. And that's the stuff you get in your life. You go, why don't I get my stuff? Because you don't stay with it. We don't stay with it. So in the Amplified, it says, and since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of him. Well, how about that? God says, I'll do it. Our job, my job, Lord, let me help you do it. Let me, let me Abraham this thing a little bit. Let me get a maid over here and see if I can help you. My job is to believe he'll do it. And if he needs me to do something, he hears me. He'll talk to me. He'll talk to me and say, I need you to. But if he doesn't, he's got it. Because we hear his voice. I hear his voice. Well, I don't hear it that good. Well, you may be a baby in this and you may not hear full tilt, but we're working on it. Amen. So some things... This is where I'm going tonight. Some things we don't have to ask. We've got the promise here that if we ask, he'll do. But some things we don't have to ask. And when we ask some things, like, Lord, we ask you to go and be with us. Well, we don't have to ask that, do we? Because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So that, that's one of those things where we don't ask God to do some things. What he's already told us, I'll do that. I'm in. I'm, I got that. So... So God often leads us by what we don't hear, but he leads us by a principle and a pattern. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so just stay with me. Amen. Everything God does with you is based on a principle of his kingdom. Everything. And so if you find the keys of the kingdom and you meditate the keys of the kingdom and you make them the main source of your life, you will have what the keys of the kingdom are created to produce. But here's the key. God believes his keys. And so there's no exceptions. Oh, shucks. There's no exceptions. He operate. He never talks to you in your head. He's a spirit. He talks to you spirit to spirit. When you talk to him, you got to get on his wavelength. Because after all, the rules are the rules because God's God. He doesn't change the rules, but once he made them, that's it. No exceptions, doesn't matter how desperate you are, doesn't matter how needy you are, doesn't matter how much good it would do if God would make an exception and change, how it would just make everything flow. His rules, it's his rules of the highway, so to speak. And so what are we going to do? Well, Lord, I'm over here. If you want to bless me, I'm over here. That's not how it works. We've got to go find him. Got to pursue him with all of our life. So uh, the keys of the kingdom are principles in the promises. They're principles in the promises. And so we have promise books. I have several promises. Yeah, this pray, sing this or pray this or say this. Promises. But it's not just the promises that we confess. Have y'all noticed that a lot of things don't come that we've confessed? Well, it's because we haven't got in and got the, the, the principles out of the promise. 
And it's real important. So uh, we know this, faith arises by hearing. Y'all know Romans 10, 17? Faith cometh or arises by hearing and hearing by the word. But the principles are activated. The keys of the kingdom are activated by revelation. So we could say one thing tonight and you hear it several ways. You ever talk to somebody and told them exactly what you wanted them to do or what they and then they come back and bring you what you told you what they thought you said? Well, yeah, we've all done that. It's like, what? That's not what I said. It's not what I meant. You, you know me. I'd never ask for that. I'd never get it. And here we go. And we're frustrated. Well, we got to get the principles according to the word of God. And that takes revelation. Now, revelation is not something that you can teach. Well, I have a big revelation for you. No, revelation's personal. You can preach the word, preach the principles, preach the, the, the patterns, but until you get it, it's not God. It doesn't matter how it's out and what it would do and how great it would be. Until you get it inside and see it to seize it, it didn't transact. And it only works in your life when it transacts. If you're not born again, you're not born again because to get born again, you have to be born again. You have to get born again. And if it doesn't transact, if you just got sideways with it or you went down to the preacher and said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to miss hell. If you don't transact, if you don't make him what he is in your life, it didn't transact, then you're just as much going to hell as the guy that says, I hate God and don't want nothing to do with him. Now, does that seem right? Well, I don't know how right it is, but I know that's the way it is. And so we have to get on his page. Well, I don't think that's fair. Well, he's God. He's the rule maker and we have to abide by his rule. So the measure of maturity in a, in a Christian's life is the principles you default to in living your life. And there's two kinds of principles. There's the world's principles and then there's God's principles and they are opposed to one another. That's why we struggle. That's why what we're raised in, what we have in our uh, raising and our early adulthood and whatever, that's, that's big in our lives. That's the way we heard it. That's the way we got it demonstrated. That's the way uh, we've learned to live it. And so when you get something new that comes, the keys of the kingdom, it's not easy many times to switch over and say, I'm going to change the way I'm doing business. So uh, you got to have revelation. Well, to have revelation, you've got to have a little meditation. So this, these things are hidden for us. So you, you don't want to come to church or you want to, you want to think about, uh, you want to work in your telephone while you're in church. Now, I know nothing, so if y'all are telephone lookers, well, uh, pastor has not been with me. Not in that realm. But I will tell you, they're everywhere. Uh, nobody said that. Nobody agreed to that. But anyway, they are everywhere. Or if you, you know, uh, I had a father-in-law, my father-in-law in West Texas. Uh, he he uh, felt it was right for a father-in-law to go to his daughter's church. And I happened to be the daughter's husband. And so, but that didn't mean he had to listen. So he'd get in a pew. We had pews. And I mean, he's like a cat that would circle his bed. And he, he would get up next to the edge, same place every week. And he would get him a little comfortable, and then he would get over, and he'd prop his knee up. I mean, I knew him. I, he was like a, a dance that you watched that's choreographed. I knew. And he'd finally settle down, and he'd go to sleep. And I'm preaching my heart out. This is my father-in-law. He's, you know, he's older than everybody. And so, you know, like, oh, this, this is so offensive to have your father-in-law just reject you like that. Well, 10 years later, he didn't know squat. But he was in church every service, and he gave in every service. He was a good father-in-law on that. 
So, sad to say, uh, we're in recording, aren't we? I'm supposed to be leaving out the kin folks. Anyway, he went to see Jesus two years ago, so it's okay. <laughs> um, I want to call this short-term versus long-term. Now, worldly principles are get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. The early bird gets the worm. It's natural. It's carnal. Everybody does it. That's the way we do it. We're in competition. There is no competition in the kingdom of God. If you have any competition in the kingdom of God, it's to outlove somebody. I'm out loving you. I'm better at that. Well, that's the only thing we can do. But competition, everybody, if you get in faith, can have everything heaven has. There's plenty. We're not limited. We're not in a shortage. We can have everything that we need because heaven has everything we need. And nobody can get part of our part. But in the world, we're, we're cutting corners. We're convenience people. We want short term. So short term living, worldly living, is the system of addition. But long-term living or kingdom living is multiplication. So why do people struggle? It's because they're on the wrong system. And you have to have revelation. Remember how hard it was when you started tithing? Everybody goes through this little struggle. Well, big struggle, actually. You're not making it on 100%. We're stretched out. and we got some things on our little hope list. And if we tithe, that thing's going to go to the fire. That thing's not going to make it. So you have to have what? revelation to get over to switch over to God's principles and you know you need hamburgers on Saturday night and pizza on Sunday morning when you're on the short-term list but then you got to bring your tithe to God and he wants the whole 10 percent he's not happy with 8.5 he wants the whole 10 or he says you didn't happen now I'm gonna preach real straight to you tonight yay just but I'm gonna tell you why it's not like getting up and say okay you you guys, start tithing. God wants you to, and if you don't, it's going to be big trouble. We missed the point there. We, we totally are not getting that. And if that's the worst you have, that's why people get so-called saved, is because they get up and say, do you want to go to hell? Well, who wants to go to hell? And they said, well, you come down here and give your heart to Jesus, and you won't go to hell. That's how I got it. <laughs> but I made no transaction with him. I, I just... Uh, I got all the ticket going up instead of the ticket going down. And they promised me I was going down. So I, I was eight years old, and I, and I got that. <laughs> Amen. So the measure of your life, the measure of my life, is the, is the principles I default to, default. In other words, if I don't have a, an unction or a, a, a something going on in my life, that if I just do what I've always done, that's my default. And so the default for the world is short-term, and it's, it's addition. But for the kingdom of God, it's not short-term. There, it, takes, it takes some while to work out your faith. I should have got a better amen than that. It takes a while to work out your faith. And they say, they say, they told, I heard that McDonald's, people that go through the McDonald's line, they give them 30 seconds from the pay at window to, to the get your hamburger in your lap window. 30 seconds is all Americans allow. Well, with a detention span like that, we, we're not going to last long with God. You know, the Lord said, behold, I come quickly. <laughs> 
How are you going to put him in a hurry after that? It's been 2,000 years. <laughs> uh, he's not hurrying anything. Time means nothing to God. And, and you'll, you'll be stronger when time means nothing to you. When the promises are yes and amen versus it didn't happen when I thought it should. Could be you were in a trouble or a bind or an issue because you were thinking. And now you're thinking again. This should have happened. Well, we'll move right along here. So priorities are kind of like this. You got $100 and you, you want a default. You want to go pay on your motorcycle or, or uh, get flowers for the table or buy a little uh, a pair of shoes or something. $100. It's going to take all of it. Or that's, that's addition. That's where you addition, you eat your seed. Yummy. You can wear them and look at my new shoes. Or you can invest it. And that's the long term, but that's the eternal process. It's an investment. It's called sowing. And there's nobody writing you a letter saying, oh, thank you so much for your $20 this morning. We're so blessed and glad. And we, nope, it goes in the bank. We put that puppy in on Monday morning and we don't look back. You go, well, that was my precious 20. Tell God. We're putting it in the bank. We're paying the electric bill. You go, that thing's so crass. That's the reality of this world. But we receive our substance, our life from that world. So you're choosing. Every day we get up and we choose whether to live in the world, the short term, the addition realm, or to live in God's kingdom, the long term, but the multiplication realm. And as you know, as you get these things going, as you get these things going, it's just as easy as doing the short term. When I started tithing, I struggled. I mean, like, oh, man, this is a lot of money, and it doesn't leave very much, and what is the payoff here? No one's calling me saying, you are a good boy, and we like you, and thank you. No one's calling and saying, yeah, this changed our life up there to give you a little warm fuzzy and make you feel good about giving and tithing and everything. Nobody calls. And you say, Lord, aren't you, t- aren't you happy with me? And it's just silent. <laughs> Do you all know what I'm talking about? And so you're having to do it by faith. You're having to do it because the word said do it. I'm just using tithing as an example. But it's an investment. You sow into the kingdom and you sow into the long term and it begins to pay. And like any investment, even in the world, once you get it rolling, it rolls. You eat your seed and it's over. It was good. It was yummy. It was fun. We rode it. We drove it. We wore it. We ate it. We whatever. But it's over. And so you put it in God and you go, where is this? Well, the word says, for instance, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So actually, actually, this is how God looks at it. He said, I want you to sow and I'll give you the seed. Well, then it takes discernment to know what's seed and what's bread. It takes, and if you're not spiritual, you don't get it. You say, it's all, it's all bread. It's all goods. It's all stuff. I think I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. Hallelujah. <laughs> now listen to this. This is what you, this is what, when you don't have a word from the Lord, I hear his voice. And when I, when I talk to him, he hears me. And I have the petitions which I ask for him. But sometimes you talk to him and it seems like you don't hear him. But he heard you, but just like he never leaves you or forsakes you uh, is, the, is the answer to God go with me. There's a lot of stuff that God doesn't answer because he's already spoken about it. 
God, you got to talk to me. Well, he's already talked to us. This is it. And so, uh, second, don't go there, but 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? So you go, God, I'm, I met Sweet Pea and she is so beautiful. She is just a knockout. She, but I want to I want to please you. Should I marry her? Now, God, I know she's not a believer. I know she's a she is. She's something else. <laughs> but God, I think I can convert her and I think it, I think it's going to work out. What do you say? And then it's silence. So we just assume God's in. You know, if he, if he, if he doesn't say no, he must be saying yes. But he's saying don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So he's not talking. Because he's already talked. And so you can go do it. You can marry Sweet Pea. And you'll run good for a year and a half or two. Then the short term starts showing up. Then the investment that's not there starts showing up. And it's old Billy. Y'all know about old Billy. Oh, yeah, we do. Proverbs 11.5. It says, "He listen, listen. He that is a surety for a stranger shall smart for it. And he that hateth surety, suretyship is sure. When I was pastoring in West Texas, we had a house and uh, it was a good little house, but I didn't care for it much. And uh, we had, we had, we had sold our good house. Whew, it was a good house. It was a fine house, but the church got in trouble. We didn't have enough to go on. And more than anything in my life, I wanted my ministry. I wanted the kingdom to go on and I was willing to do anything except sell my kids. I'd let you borrow them for a week or two, but, and so we sold our good, good house, took the equity out of it and bought this house, which I did not like. And, uh, I was trying to get out of it all the time. Well, we, we got ready to sell it and there was a couple in my church and he was the county attorney. And that sounds like a big dog. That sounds like somebody that ought to be doing right. And, uh, he said, well, I hadn't got the down payment right now. But I will in six months. I got this money coming in. If you'll carry me for six months, then we'll refinance it in six months. Well, did y'all know that's co-signing? But this way, they were in my church and they loved Jesus and I love Jesus and I needed some help. I didn't have another buyer. I needed him to buy this. And I said, we said, okay. Well, the county attorney went belly up in five and a half, six months. They called me. The mortgage company says, we're tired of you missing payments. One, two, three, four, and five. We're fixing to come down on you. And I'm like, what? So I call him and I say, what is this? Well, I meant to call you, but it was just embarrassing and everything. So it cost me lots of trouble to get my credit straightened out. I had to get letters written that I wasn't the one and it was terrible. Guess what? God was right. You go, well, he didn't talk to you about it. Yeah, he did. I just read you the words he said. So you go back and co-sign. It's, it's, I got personal opinions about even going into business with your family. Now, you can show me wrong, and that's, that's fine, but uh, uh, it could be double trouble. My two sons wanted to go to bus- into business with each other in the lawn business. One was married, one was single. You know, those single people have different aspirations than those married people. And uh, so we said no, and they lived happily ever after. Amen. <laughs> So I didn't hear no on this surety, this co-signing thing, because God had already spoken. Read the book. Amen. 
Turn with me to Romans chapter 10, would you, just for a moment? We got lots of time. You know that what that means, don't you? <laughs> uh, you can figure it out. Y'all are y'all go to Grace Life. You can figure that one out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Last Sunday I was uh, uh pastor was gonna come over and I and uh and I, I was out of church and was going down the road and already taking my tie off and you know, messed up my hair and was free. I was out of church and down there. And I call pastor and say, hey, what are y'all doing? Well, he's still having church. <laughs> he never repented for it either. He said, oh. So here it is in verse 9, chapter 10. Let's read this verse together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Verse 9, ready, read. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So I want you to notice there, the Bible says the Lord Jesus. Well, there's a lot of difference between the confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus than there is by saying, well, Jesus, come into my heart. So lots of people didn't ask him to be the Lord. The word Lord there, it means master, it means ruler, it means sovereign in power, and get this, it means controller. Whew, that's a tough one. Because we're all in control until we get born again. And if we don't make him the Lord, we're still in control after he's our Savior. We hope he's our Savior. Because the Bible's clear here, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Well, if you confessed him as your Lord then, it ought to be easier now, after you've road tested him, to make him the Lord today. But a lot of times people are desperate. They don't, they don't want to go to hell. And so they make him savior. They make him my life raft, my whatever. And, they, and then they just go on their way. Well, the Lord doesn't expect anything out of me. The Lord Jesus, controller, sovereign, master, ruler. The word actually means in government. He's in charge. So that's a sticky wicket. That's tough to bear when you think I'm, I'm on my way living like a, living on the line, just barely enough to stay saved. But I got this. I put him in my heart back when I was four. Well, yay. But did you ever make him Lord? Well, that's a line that can move on you. That's a line that, you know, it's in your heart. So nobody can say, ah, you're not making it. He's not Lord of your life. Um, so what about that? Well, we've got, we got scripture. You can ask God, am I saved or not? But he'll point you to Matthew 6, 24 that says, No man can serve two masters. Uh, for either he will hate the one. So the world is a master, isn't it? The scripture actually says mammon, the world's money. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Whew, Lord, that's tough. If you're not Lord, somebody else is. Because everybody's under somebody, something. Y'all say amen when you get it. Praise God. Everybody's under somebody. And we move out of the lordship of one thing into another, but we don't ever get without a lordship. Because when, when I don't have somebody over me, I'm Lord. Aren't you the king of your life if nobody else is? Sure you are. You choose when you get up, where you go to work, when you go to work, up to a point. You, you, choose, how, you choose everything. That makes you Lord. We don't check in with somebody else. We're Lord. Oh, y'all, this is easy. Oh, it's, it's tough, but it's easy. He's either Lord or you're Lord. Or there's some kind of waving or wobbling in between where he's Lord when we're in trouble. 
<laughs> but when we want to go out on Saturday night and rock the city, we might say, right, Lord, I'll get back to you on Sunday about that. Okay, yay. Matthew 12, 25 says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So here's my key, and I'm just going to touch this. When things aren't going right, when things, when you're standing for everything, you're standing for your body, you're standing for your money, you're standing for your future, you're standing for your kids, you're standing for everything. Everything is on the edge. You are, it's tighter than a banjo string. You're just, you're stretched out all the way. You go, Lord, I'm praying, I'm asking, I'm, I'm confessing sin I'm, that I didn't even do. He did it, but I'll confess it. <laughs> yeah. You got to check your lordship. Well, that sounds too easy. That is the answer. My yoke is easy. Check your lordship. Everybody say, okay. <laughs> Yay. So uh, I like this scripture. It's my other favorite scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Y'all turn there. I want you to put a star by this one if you do that in your Bible. And if you don't, Pastor, we'll send you one that you can mark in and just scribble and color and star. You ought to have circles. You ought to have little arrows that say, Pastor said, this is what this word means, and have it out in your margin. That's what that margin's for. Half-inch margin, right little. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse 19. Oh, we like this one, because this is where you shuck the corn. Verse 19 says, what? So he's talking about something else when he gets to that verse. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which ye have of God, okay, here it is right here, and ye are not your own. Point yourself with, with me and say, I am not my own. Well, now, why, why is that? Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Well, I'm a free spirit. I'm a free man. I'm an American. I, there is nobody owns me as me. Bought with a price. You, you were bought with a price. Auction block. Sin was selling you to the devil. And Jesus stepped in and said, ah, I got a higher bid. And so we're bought with a price. And the Bible says, the B-I-B-L-E says, ye are not your own. So when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you're saying, I am not my own. I'm checking in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray prayers that you can answer. I'm going to pray prayers that you can answer. And not just test it to see. Well, let's just throw this one out and see if you will. Amen. So when we make the Lord Jesus our Lord, everything is our, on his side is already finished. He's got it done. When we get on the principles that he has already said are mine, then we have a confidence that when we pray, when we ask, when we, when we do, it's done. Christians don't have a confidence about what they're asking God or what they're going through because they just are wavering between acts or things that happen in a day or a week or a month, that, that low-level scheme of life, I've got a job and i got a mortgage and i got a car payment, and they're just concentrating on making that instead of coming up and saying, where, where am I in this? And when we come up above and see it, we go, there's a principle for that. God's already addressed this for my life. One of them is Malachi. It, 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 like, bring your tithe in the storehouse. I'll do that, Lord. Do y'all say, I want to do that? I want to do that. You're either doing it or you want to do it. 
You're either doing it or you want to do it. Hallelujah. <laughs> they didn't want me looking. Hallelujah. So I think that if Jesus is Lord over the believer, he should be Lord over the church. I believe we ought to have a man of God. We think we ought to have a pastor, a shepherd that's made Jesus Lord. And he's not afraid. He's not afraid. Well, they, they won't like that. God's got it. He's got me. If they don't, I'll, it's, it'll be good news. And so he rules the church. The Lord rules the church. He rules us by talking to the pastor, talking to you. Pastors are just the first among equals. We're, we're, nothing, we're nothing that you can say. That's, that's hot spit. We're, we're just first among equals. Everybody's got a job. You got a job in the, in the kingdom? Say yes. yes. You do, whether you know it or not, whether you're doing it or not, whether you believe it or not, you got a job. And the pastor's just got his job nailed down. He, he knows I, this is my job, and he, he's made Jesus the Lord of his life. So that church is sanctified. That church is set apart. That church can, can operate, function, and even flourish in Jemison, Alabama. All things are possible. And you go, wow, that just happens all the time. It happens no all the time. Why would you? Why would you have a church in Jemison? Or Chilton County, for that matter. I'm not being facetious. I'm just saying, God, have you run out of good spots? <laughs> now, don't, I am not putting down, I love this place, and I love your pastors dearly, but I'm just saying, think about it. Get on the high side of this and not just say, well, it's church, and if it's not, we'll go somewhere else. Your whole future is based on revelation. And you have to feed whatever brings revelation. You have to feed it. You have to have an atmosphere. You have to have a place where revelation abides, where the Spirit of God is able to hover over the place and, and there's a word coming forth. There's a move. There's a willingness. There's a, a, a compliance to God. We say, I'm going to church and things are going to change. You go, I, just, I, I, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're exactly right, but you can't be a strong Christian. I said, you won't be a strong Christian without going to church, but you can go to heaven. And when we go to heaven, that person goes to heaven, they're going straight to kindergarten because they didn't learn anything on earth. You go, I thought we were one and done when we go to heaven. No, 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 no. If you, if you read the Bible, you'll find out what we do now. Set your position in the millennium. So you're, you're going to be one of the crying babies in the kindergarten. Somebody else that didn't do their job is going to be waiting on you and changing your diapers. It's the truth. I intend to be the governor of something. It may be my block or, or the two houses on either side. I intend to have some sort of authority in that kingdom based on what he said. Because I know I've complied. I've, I've, I've entered into some things. But that's my job to find out. But pastors are no more uh, uh, qualified than you are. We just have to do our job. And if we don't do our job as good as the sound man or the nursery girl, if they do their job more faithfully and more uh, adeptly, then they'll get a better reward than we will. I, it's just my job. Do your job. Do your job. Do your job. Do your job. What do I care if you do your job? It'll, it'll matter to you, not me. Boy, this is good. 
So decision is the place of power. Everybody wants power. Then they say, I feel like going and doing something. But it's not that way. This is a principle in the kingdom. And if you know this, it'll change everything about you. Decision is the place of power. Say it with me. Decision is the place of power. It's, it's the way faith works. You gather up down in here. You gather up your faith up down here when nothing is obvious out here. Nothing's lining up. Nothing's nothing, nothing, nothing. But by revelation, you've seen some things. You know some things. And so you're willing to do some things because of what's inside, even if it's contrary to everybody else seeing something else. So you make the decision. You pull the trigger. You jump in with nobody saying that sounds like the right thing to do. Nobody will say that. But you do it anyway because inside is bigger than what's on the outside. So decision is the place of power. And as soon as you make the decision, guess what? Then comes the power. Oh, we want the power first. Yeah, we sure do. We don't want to jump into the river unless we know somebody's down there waiting to, to fish us out. Just jump anyway. So believers are waiting on the power to decree a thing. You know what Job says, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall decree and then it shall be established unto you and the light shall shine upon your ways. What do you do first? You decree a thing. So we don't have very many decreers. We have people that are waiting on the power, waiting on the ascent, waiting on the the herd, waiting on the crowd, waiting on everybody to say, oh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. But if you want to be a leader, if you want to be accounted in the kingdom, you got to jump out there when everybody's not only going with you, but they're going the other way. Not for not for being contrary sake, but just say, I've heard from heaven. I will do what I've heard from heaven. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. He's Lord or he's not. Well, what if nobody else goes? Ninety nine go that way and I'm going this way. That'd be just about right percentage wise. Actually, it's it's three out of four. Don't make it. The, the parable of the sower, there's three bad grounds and one good ground. So three out of four are not thinking the same way you and I can think. You go, where are they? Why aren't they? Revelation. They don't see it. Because once you see it, you'll seize it. And everything you have in your life right now is, is the culmination, the harvest of something you saw so big, so Big on you that you said, I'm going to seize that. I'm going to decree a thing. And it shall be established unto me, and the light shall shine upon my ways. I will speak to the mountain and say, what are you doing in my way? Get out of Dodge. Believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Let's talk about another principle in the kingdom. This will be real good. It's called the law of possession. Now, these are things that if you don't know them, you're going to just wander around in the desert like they did for 40 years, and you're not going to have a clue. You're going to be clueless. You're going to go to heaven, but on the earth, you'll be ineffective. You'll be neutralized. You'll be uh, emasculated. You won't do jack, but you'll go to heaven because when you got born again, you were changed on the inside. It has nothing to do with our conduct, our, our acts, our morality. You drink beer, you smoke this, you, you run with those people, but you're born again, so you are going to heaven. Hear me. It's not based on what you do day to day, as if by fire, but you will go to heaven. You go, that ain't fair. That is the kingdom. It's what you did with Jesus. Not what you do with your body, with your words, with your relationships. But you know, God's not, God, Jesus solved the, the sin problem. 
You go, well, so God's not mad at sin. Why he hates sin is the same reason that you don't like your children bucking up and rebelling against you. Because it's bad for them. It'll hurt them. Sin will hurt you. But God's not mad saying, there's a sinner down there. We're going to smite him or bite him. We're going to take care of this. We're going to, we are the police. No, Jesus solved the sin problem. There is no judgment in the earth right now. We're in the day of grace. And now this stuff piles up and goes to the end. But right now, we're wide open. But if you're not born again, you better stay in your body because your body is the only thing that keeps you on the earth. It's what gives you a citizenship. That's why Jesus had to be made in a body because that's the rule. Why is that rule? It's just the rule. So demons can't be saved or all that sort of stuff. So I've got to get back to this. The law of possession. Now, we know this, that the law of possession is, is that if somebody possesses something else, then he's responsible for it. Let's take parents. You bring those little pumpkins into the world, you're responsible. But you can name them. Matter of fact, that is the main law of the, the, the law of possession, is you get to name your possession. So you'll call him whatever your last name is. You'll say, Johnny Bob Smith. And, you, and they, they're stuck with it. They're stuck with it. Whatever mom and dad, oh, no, I didn't like that. I want to recount. No, Johnny Bob is your name. <laughs> Remember when Johnny Cash sung that song, A Boy Named Sue? <laughs> oh, my Lord. So this works with rulers. This works with property. This works with owners, marriage, families. It works with the kingdom, and it works with church. The law of possession means is the one who possesses is responsible to take care of the possessed. Well, I'm bought with the price. Oh, that's a bad deal. We're having to submit to God and do it his way. He's responsible for everything. He's responsible for my money. We say it's a bad parent that doesn't take care of its kids. We say it's a bad parent that doesn't take them to the doctor and doesn't, or whatever. We say that's bad. God's not bad. And so he, the, law of, the law of possession means he takes care of us. Now listen to this in Hebrews 7, 7. I'll just say this and y'all write it down later. But it says, without all contradiction, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So if you think you're as good as God, you go, well, nobody does that. Well, sure. If Jesus isn't Lord, you are. And if you're Lord, you're as good as everybody else and God included. Okay, both gears are turning. I can see them. They're turning. So if Jesus isn't Lord, then you're Lord. And the Bible says without dispute, the less is blessed of the greater. So if I want God to bless me, I better get to be the less. Tithing makes me the less. I'm saying, this is yours. And here's the cool thing. I've said this before, but I'll say it tonight because we've got lots of time still. <laughs> you know what that means. Nothing. <laughs> uh, the law of the tithe is this. Now, God is so cool. He's a faith God. And if you bring him 10%, He's, he's not got real good accounting. He thinks you brought him all of it. And when he accounts you that you brought a hundred on of a thousand, he says you brought him everything. And he thinks you brought him your motorcycle and your new dishes and your purse and your house and your car. He thinks you brought it all, that you made him Lord. Tithing is lordship. 
But here's the cool part. When he accounts it that way, then he is obligated because you're the lesser now. You've come under him and he becomes the better or the greater. And he, without contradiction, is the blesser. So now that I've given him everything by just giving him 10%, now he is legally able to bring me everything. All of it. I just got 10% out there. He says, nah, it's 100. You miscounted. And then he brings me all of heaven. God's good. But you got to be the lesser. You can't be making your own decisions when Jesus is Lord over things. Things that are contrary to the word, they'll bite you and they'll smite you. You'll, you'll live out of most of them. You'll get on the other side of it. But it's a hard road. It's what the world does every day. But we're called to be above. Well, how can that be? Lord, just hit me with it. Come on. Hit me the blessing. Come on. You, Lord, I'm the blessed. No, you got to be the lesser. you got to come under. Lord, I want to sleep in bed on Sunday. Go ahead, little Lord. Go ahead. Just sleep your little heart out. But you won't get the revelation. You won't get the inspiration. You won't get the answer to your troubles that I was sending to church. Well, Lord, I'm over here in the bed. Just send it here. You know, that's not how he works. He says, seek me where I may be found. So we have to go where the blessing is. Well, I don't like that. Well, it is the rule, and he got to make the rule. He doesn't change the rule, but he got to make it, and he wrote it down. So we would say, Lord, I didn't understand that. We'll read the book, and you'll understand it because it's clear and it's, it's over. So uh, uh, blessings flow into any part of your life. Listen to me. Any part of your life, blessings flow where you're the lesser. So if you're the lesser in your money and you're bringing God the tithe, but you're the greater in your business or the great, you're a bully in your marriage. <sighs> I'm the teledhan. Well, you're the greater there. You don't check on God. You don't read the words that says you won't get your prayers answered if you don't treat your wife right. You don't care about that. Life's hard in that area. The big D's coming. Oh, my. I stepped on it. Didn't mean to. Can I step back, Pastor? Oh, it's too late. Amen. I'm already in it. So everywhere in your life that you make Jesus Lord, which means you make this Lord, you say, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. I don't like that. I don't agree with it necessarily, but I'm going to do it your way. Then you become the lesser. And the, ble- the lesser is blessed of the greater. Well, what can God do? <laughs> Beyond what you can imagine, think or imagine. Exceeding above. I love God. I just love God. So uh, how about relationships? Some people, Christians, I'm going to meddle now because uh, you'll start the car for me. Yeah, amen. Uh, amen. I'm going to meddle right now. The hardest place for most Christians to make Jesus Lord is in relationships because we want our friends. And back in high school or back in school, they did something for us. And we're so grateful we would never throw that heathen, foul-mouthed, anarchist person under the bus. We'll just, we'll just, and they influence us and they tell us how cool it is. And we go, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but I'll try one. And, and they get us. You can't resist it. We're so relational. We're so social that we'll, we need friends. We want relationships. And so we can't say no to some people. And in that area, Jesus is not Lord and it will bite you. You got to say no to some people. You got to say no to some people before the Lord will send you a replacement. You, you go, send me some good buddies, Lord, and I'll cut these off. It never works that way. 
You have to cut them off by faith. And the faith that you cut them off with, decision is a place of power. Then he replaces what you need and want because he's the greater and he's the blesser. Lord, send some friends that I that are Christians and I love and that'll go with me. Get rid of that sorry dog that you're running around with. Now, I did meddle there and I, I realized it. Hallelujah. You got to resist the devil. Well, I don't want to resist him. Well, Jesus is not Lord in that area, and he will beat your brains out. Ask anybody. He's a, he's a brain beater. But if you say no to him, if you resist him and he flees, Jesus is Lord. Because it's not all about you and me. There's people attached to me that when I do good, they do good. And when I buck up and rebel, my family, it goes bad for them because I'm not, I'm not blessed financially. I'm making the wrong, I'm gripey. I'm grump grump, you know, I, all sorts of things happen. I, I know one family that says, we don't poke the bear. Speaking to daddy, we don't poke the bear. <laughs> well, don't be the bear. Amen. Well, I got to go on that. So here's, here's the culmination of that. We, we are not limited by the strength of our circumstance. The power of the storm is not your limitation. It's how much you depend on the principles of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. You got to transition. You got to want it. The Lord will show you when you want it. When you say, I'm going to make a change, Lord. I don't like my life, so therefore I'm living by something in the world that's not profitable. And, it, and none of it is. It'll wait and lie, it'll lie and wait for you, and then it'll grab you by the leg. But it will come for you. It has a right to because you're the Lord. And you have no defense. You have your, you have your intellect. You have your... That's all you have is your intellect. And, you know, people lose their mind over this. So that's, that's real good. So it takes an investment to live by the principles. It's slow. No, the money doesn't come when you start tithing the second week. <laughs> or the fourth. But things start opening up. It's not like, well, $1,000 came in because I tithe. No, it'll just start opening up. Favor will come. Doors will open. Opportunities that you think, ah, this would have come anyway. You're wrong. Everybody in this room, now, I don't know if everybody's everybody, but I'll just assume that who you are and what you have is based on revelation that you said yes to. Known and unknown. And you need, you need a church that's not, well, you know what it's not. You need a church that's strong. If you want to be strong, you can't be stronger than your church. Well, yes, I can. Well, just run that out for a while and see if that's true. It's not true. So you got to find a strong church. A strong church is no stronger than its... I'm waiting. Pastor. Y'all say it together. Pastor. Now, I'm not doing this because I am one or because we're friends. This is just the kingdom. This is how it works. If, if, if you... Uh, if you... Hit your mother when you're little. It's not going to be good for you. You go, well, I can take her. Ah, that's until daddy comes home. <laughs> ah, you can't take nobody. Ah, he holds the keys to the kingdom for as far as you're concerned. So, yay. Do hard things. Do hard things. Now, I have something I want to do tonight. we got lots of time. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 8. Now, it's one of those things where I said all that to say this. If you cut me off right now, then I said all that, and you won't know what I said it to say this for. Chapter 8 of Mark. 
I'm pretty spunky when I get out of town. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Blessed are the, the nice, for they shall be invited back. Amen. Chapter 8 of Mark in verse 22. Now, look, I want you to look at this with new eyes. I want you to see something that you... Because this has always been taught one way. Everybody that teaches this goes instantly to this part of it. They, verse 22 says, uh, And he cometh to Bethsaida, the Lord Jesus cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him, ask him to touch him, the blind man. Well, yea, Jesus in verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now slip over to, uh, to uh, let's see where we can go. Mark chapter 4, right? Hold your finger there. Don't get that go, but Mark chapter 4. He led him out of town. Look in chapter, uh, where would that be? Maybe chapter 4. Yeah, chapter 4. And so, uh, oh, you know how it is when you, chapter, Mark chapter 4, verse 3. No. Where am I? Well, it's in the. Don't you just hate it when he, when the, when the preacher does that? It's like, do your job, do your job, write stuff down. <laughs> Let me just tell you the story. <laughs> I did read it. Hallelujah! It's the story right after the woman with the issue of blood. So that's Mark chapter five, isn't it? Oh yeah, now I know where I am. Praise God! Help myself. Verse forty. Got your place, you got your finger in the other place. And they laughed him to scorn. This was the, the, the daughter that, uh, that died. In verse 39, it says, Why you make this to do and weep? The damsel is not. No. Where are we? Anyway, they said she was dead. And it says, Why make ye this to do and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Y'all know that? And they laughed him to scorn. And when he had put them all out, now there's the key. He put them all out. So let's go back to Mark chapter 8. Yeah, that's the long way around, but I got it. Hallelujah. In chapter 8, let's look in verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Why do you reckon he led him out of the town? We always look at... He, he saw as trees walking, men as trees walking, and then, well, we'll read the whole thing. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him what if he saw odd. And he looked and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house. So we always look at that and say, look, he had to pray. Jesus had to pray twice. And that's the end of that story. But that's not the end of the story, not for the man. For the man, everything was important. It says he took him, he took the blind man, verse 23, by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, every once in a while, you've got to get out of town. You've got to get out of your situation. You've got to get out of where you are and your kind of thinking. And you've got to come under an atmosphere that doesn't think like you think. Because you're going to have to change your thinking. And if you keep thinking like you think and telling you like you tell... You're going to keep thinking and telling the same thing. Nothing's changing. So you got to go under another atmosphere. you got to change the atmosphere. So somebody's got to intersect your life or you have to go to church at where, they're, where they're intersecting lives and you got to get plugged in. Because like tithing, it doesn't happen the first week or two. 
oh, I went to that church and it changed my life. It may not the first week or two. It won't be because it couldn't, but it'll be because of you. I didn't know what they were going to do. And they babbled with this language and people were falling on the floor and, and they went two hours and what? Well, I don't know, but after you keep plugging in, y'all tell me if I'm telling the truth, you keep plugging in, you keep investing, you keep kingdom of God in, you keep keys of the kingdom going and suddenly, imperceptibly at first, things start to change because you're in another atmosphere. You still got your own brain, you got your own doctrine, but you get under another atmosphere and you're inclined to change because we all want hope. We all want something better. We all are not happy with some part of our life and it's just bugging us, but we think there's nothing else because church is church and the Bible's the Bible, Jesus is Jesus, and that's just the way it is. And if you look out at all the Christians in the world, you'll go, yeah, that's how it always is. But that's not what the kingdom is. The kingdom is living above and I want to live above. You go, well, did it happen the first week? No. When I first got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1980, we had a Bible study. I was so empty. I knew nothing. I was a Baptist boy that just got the Holy Ghost. And we started a Bible study the third week of January after I got filled the first of January. And I knew nothing. So I would study. I came in from the farm and I studied all day long, like eight hours. I read Charles Capps. I read Brother Copeland. I read Brother Hagin. I read all day long. And in 40 minutes, actually 30, I blooped it out. You know how you think you know something, but then when you go to share it, you don't know anything. And I just blooped it out in 30 minutes. And suddenly everybody in the room knew everything I knew because I'd given them everything I knew. I didn't know anything more than what I gave them. If I knew it, I shared it. And all of a sudden they all knew everything. And that happened the next week and the next week. But then one day, a few months down the road, I had a residue. It didn't take eight hours. And when I did get up to bloop it out, it had strength. It had substance. It had life. And so I, I kicked into the keys of the kingdom. It made me study the word because I didn't want to be embarrassed every Thursday. I was the leader of this thing by default. And suddenly, teaching, teaching, I got something going that stayed in me. I was helping them, but the teacher's always the best off. Oh, this is good. So Jesus took the man by the hand. Verse 23, by the hand, and led him out of the town. Got him into a new atmosphere. It wasn't that he went to a place where there was a Holy Ghost revival. He just got him out of the doubt and unbelief, the ridicule and the scorn. Because they were resisting him. Do you know people are resisting you because of who you are? It's not like you tell them, I'm a Holy Ghost man. We, We believe this and we do that. No, that's not what you have to tell them. It's on you. It's in you. And it radiates out. The Bible says there's a... There's a, what's it say, a savor? There's a fragrance on us. You may not notice it, but everybody else is noticing. Can you look at people and tell if they're born again or not? Not every time, but a lot of times I can tell. Why? So it's, it's happening to you. You need to be stronger. You need to be, you want to be stronger. You're not even happy with where you are. And we're in a Holy Ghost church, but something's got to change. And it's us. We got to want more. And we got to know how the kingdom's operating. We have not tapped out the kingdom. We got to get over on the spiritual principles. You know, I don't co-sign with anybody. I got burned bad. I was a scalded dog. I'm telling you, it hurt. Had to get up in front of my church and tell them, you know, I, I, I disobeyed the word. And it was old Billy. I'm telling you, it was a good lesson for me. And so now, before I do anything, I find out what he said about it. 
You don't have to pray. Some things you have to pray. Lord, do you want service on 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock? That's not going to be in here. So when Jesus led the man out of town, what happened? The miracle began. Why didn't he just pray for him in town and just shundai? And the man opened up his eyes? He couldn't or he would have. I said he couldn't. Well, Jesus can do anything. Anything you can. Are you doing everything? So he couldn't do everything. He wanted to, but he had to, he had to follow the process. And y'all, let me just harp on it one more time or seven. It's where you go to church. It's where your atmosphere is. It's imperceptible. It's, it's not palatable. It's not substance. You don't go out and say, I got 42 pounds of revelation this morning. I'm going to go home and put it in the refrigerator and see if it'll keep. No, it's not that way. It's just, it just changes you. And listen, if you miss church for a month, it shows. You may not know it serves, serve, that it shows, but it shows. We look at you and say, poor thing. So tonight, I don't know what I'm doing exactly. I'm going down a road I've never been. So, But you've been down roads you've never been, and you just keep on going. I got me a blue line in the front. And uh, this is out of town on this side. And this, excuse me, this is town. The Bible says Jesus led him by the hand out of town. So this is town over here. This is out of town over here. Don't step on the line because you'll be double-minded, right? (laughs) That's a joke, Pastor. You can can flow with that. Hallelujah. So tonight we're going to have a miracle because we sang. We sang with our very own mouths coming out of our very own head. All things are possible. We sang that. Now, we're going to have to fish or cut bait. We're going to have to shuck it. We're going to have to leave or, uh, or get in. You go, well, it might not happen tonight. Well, you have been in some meetings. I certainly have where nothing happened. Nothing perceptible. I went in with a hurt and I came out with a hurt. I went in owing uh, $2,000 and I came out. It was still there. But something changed over the course of time where I got where I could receive. God's a better giver than we are receivers. And I got my heart open where there was an expectancy and anticipation. And I kept on going. I didn't, I didn't accuse God of nothing happened. You know, that's the worst thing you can say. When your kids say, you raised me for 14 years and nothing happened. That, that, that's not what you want to hear. It's just not true. You know, just because you didn't bail them out of jail every night, that doesn't, amen. So we're going to do something tonight. I need uh, music in the sound booth, please. Could I have some music? Could I have some miracle music? Elliot's coming. He knows what miracle music's like. Now, you, you can get in this or not. You can believe or not. And I'm telling you, it doesn't make any difference to me. I want you to be better. Because I want everybody to be better. That's my job. But it's your job too. That's what you want. You want everybody to get better. That's when you find something, you bring a friend and you do. So you want something to be better. We're going to line up here on the in-town side. And I'm going to grab you by the hand. As if I'm not Jesus, but I'm anointed. Are y'all anointed? And besides, I've got the pulpit tonight, so I get to do whatever I want. And I'm going to grab you by the hand, and we're going to cross this line. We're going to go out of town. 
Because we're going to take you, we're going to lead you to your miracle. And pastor's going to be sitting over here as you come out of town. And he's going to lay hands on you. Not long, not a big deal. This is not a thing of a Shandai meeting in 20 minutes and it's not that. It's going to be on you. You're going to be changed tonight. I said, I've been struggling with this all week long and I got it. And this is what I've got. And this is what God got. And you got, some of you need healing. Some of you got some, wow, some oh wowy relationships that just are, they're just sideways. And you've kissed them goodbye. If that's how you feel, brother, just goodbye. I don't need you and I don't care. Well, that doesn't please the Lord. It doesn't make him Lord. It's up to you to do your part. They may not come around for a while, but you do your part that says I'm open because I'm filled with the love of God. It's shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Y'all say amen when you get it. Amen. And so it may be that. It may be financial. It would be financial for almost everybody. But we're going to be led out of town. We're pastor sitting. In town, excuse me. He's in town. And we're going to come over here and come out of town. And you're going to receive your sight. It'll be whatever you want it to be. But the man let Jesus lead him out of town. And it was up to him. You know, it's up to Jesus. He'd have done it in town if it had been up to him. So he had to get him out of town. Now, I'm going to get you out of town and get you over here. Now, I can't take you out of town, but I, I, here's a line. You use your inside man to say, when I cross that blue line, things are changing. And I won't be the same. And things are better. And it's a principle of God's kingdom that I can ask and receive. And I'm going to do it tonight. You may like a cathedral. You may like a, 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 who is it? Rodney Howard Brown. You may like him to be up here and you'll go, I have confidence is Rodney. Rodney's not here. Rodney, are you in the house? But Michael is. <laughs> it's okay. It's up to you anyway. So, uh, you got me some miracle music going? Now, the music won't help you. But we're just used to it. It it helps our soul. Are we all good in here? Now, listen. Nobody's embarrassed. If you don't like this, if this doesn't uh, 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 clean your clock, well, just just sit and just say, I have a a medical reason I can't do that. And we'll all just say amen. (laughs) But tonight's the night. I want this church to be strong. I'm on the board of this church. You can't say amen. Say, oh me. Hallelujah. And I'm for Grace Life Church. I'm telling you, I am for this. I am for Grace Life, which means I'm for you. And I want you to get it tonight. I want you to have breakthrough tonight. I want you to start your miracle tonight. Now, the kingdom of investment, the kingdom of multiplication... Sometimes takes a while, but I don't want you to say, oh, it's going to take a while. Just step across the line and receive an instant manifestation. Receive a miracle. Just get it like the man that was blind got it. But even he got a little fuzzy, and the Lord laid hands on him again and spit, spit on clay and put it in his eye. Don't you think that probably means he made him a new eyeball? He was blind, and the Bible says he made a spittle of clay and stuck it in his face must be you got new eyes that's a miracle you got a miracle you need I do I got some stuff pastor you got some stuff 
You need a miracle in anything? Yeah, we do. So we're going to step across the line. So uh, join Pam. Y'all are, y'all, these are my favorite people in the whole world, especially when they're only two in the room that uh, come from our church. <laughs> they've, been in, they've been in our church since 1998. Yeah. So pastor, can you do this for me? Can you just be over here and however you want to do it, however you want to sit, stand, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to pull them across the miracle line and their miracle's going to start. Are you going to share something? I'll share one scripture. All right. Make it quick. I just want to reiterate <laughs> what was said about, are we on? Lordship versus Savior. So we're going to follow the instructions the Holy Ghost gave you. But there was components to this thing that's about lordship. So we do have a part. Right? Oh, yeah. And in one sense, this was, this you could have taken this as being very confrontational. Jesus was very confrontational. You say God's love. Well, Jesus was too. But it was also very controversial. And I think part of stepping across that line is saying, I'm looking for a change in my life. It but, is. But the Lord's looking for a change in your life too. See, He wants to change more than you do, but He He knows what needs to change. Oh, thank you, Lord. And this is the verse He gave me just a moment ago. Jesus was teaching, and uh, they told Him, they interrupted Him, and they said, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, your mother and your brother stand outside. They desire to speak with you. Jesus, your mother and your brother's outside and they need to talk with you. So Jesus ran out there real quick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> huh? Uh, and so this was, this, and I'm not preaching behind you because nothing needs to be added to this. I'm just saying stepping across this line. Amen. It's doing more than stepping across the yeah. tape. Oh, it is. You're so, right. Because the principle is already here. See, so, so we have to step across with the right mindset because we want to get the change. Otherwise, he would have took him out of town, right? Tonight. So he didn't run Tonight. out there and say, hey, mom and them. This, but this is what he said. He did respond. He said, who is my mother? And he said, I want to know. Tell me, he's my brother. And he stretched forth his hand toward the disciples and said, my mother, he said, behold, my mother. He, he stretched his hand toward his disciples. He said, you want to know who my mother is? And he pointed towards his disciples. And he says, and he said, behold, my mother and my brother. He says, whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, that's who my mother, my sister, my brother is. That's it. In Luke 14, it sounds, it sounds really terrible when you read it. And, and, and it's pulling it out of context, but it still applies to the principle. He said, Jesus said, if any man comes to me and hates not his father and mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters and even his own life. Why? Because it's not his life anymore, right? Bought the price. Now that word hate's a terrible word, a word to hear in the King James, but it's not really hate. It's the word love less. If you love anything more than you love him, Relationship, your money, my life, 
what I'm going to do with my life. He said, if you love any of that more than you love me, he said, you're not my disciple. He didn't say you wouldn't go into heaven. That's right. He said, but you're not, you're not my disciple. You can't go where I'm going. Does that Amen. sound confrontational? That came from Jesus. Oh. So when you step across the line, we're going to get a miracle. But I assume some of you may, and I'm not here to give anybody a word tonight. We're just going to step across. But you, it's already been established that we hear from God. Some of you are going to step across the line with some instructions. And the reason why some of you are in a mess is because you didn't put the principle to work and you went and did everything you wanted to do in life. And it turned out to be... And you wonder why, why is my life such a mess? Because you bypassed all the principles. You say, well, that's condemnation. No, it's not condemnation. I failed half the ninth grade, half the tenth grade. You know why? I missed 140 days of high school. You know why? I hated it. My parents were out of town working. They didn't know they were working two jobs. So I got very acquainted with summer school. Amen. Hmm? And I had to repeat grades over again, not because I was dumb, but because I, I, I made a bad choice. I violated the principle. So, okay. Back to you, Pastor. So I'd like all this side here to line up behind Joey and Pam, if you would, just so we can do this, because we got lots more to do tonight.